Graham, I don't hate Tom Brady. Do you hate Tom Brady? Yeah, I hate Tom Brady. I definitely hate Tom Brady. <laughs> got a big dream board with like just got Tom Brady's head on it and arrows in it. Yeah. yeah. Because you're such a huge Bills fan, when was the last time you were this excited about a Buffalo Bills signal caller? I would say never. Sure. Never felt this optimistic at all. The future of the franchise is locked in. Let's talk Bills. Ah! Yeah. I'm Eric, joined as always by Graham. What's up, Graham? What's up? You got some new sound bites, do you? What do you? Yeah, I guess. Ah! That's how I felt after this game. Oh my gosh. I hated this game so much. It's amazing how, how how I would have loved it. Like it would have been top five favorite Bills games of all time if they had pulled out the win at the end. Yeah. But because they didn't, I just never want to watch highlights from this again. I want to move on and forget that it ever happened. As you were watching the last minute of the game, was there any doubt in your mind that the Bills were going to win the game? It's no, I really doubted it. I doubted it hard. <laughs> I did not think they were going to win the game. I was angry. Really? Yeah, yeah. No, like when that that crazy punt went out of bounds and then the Bills, you know, earned a safety, safety, I guess. Yeah. Then I was like, all right, I got out of my chair. I was like, here we go. There's, this just got really exciting. The Bills could do it, but not for one second did I think this is in the bag because they had not shown that they could do anything during clutch moments. The Bills really haven't shown that they can, this organization under Josh and Sean McDermott, they've not been clutch. They've not won close games. This is a stat that I keep hearing. They're like 0-7 or something in games decided by five points or less. They either blow out their opponent or they lose. And they don't, I guess the exception to this is how Josh played in that final playoff game last year because that was a close game. And, and they should have won, and that's not on Josh that they didn't win. But I haven't – I don't remember a lot of games where the Bills are down by a touchdown and Josh goes down the field and wins the game. You know, it hasn't gone well due to a lot of issues. A lot of it is coaching mistakes, play calling, inability to run and pick up a yard when you need it, timeouts you don't have because you blew them earlier in the game on stupid nonsense. And so, sure enough, the Bills have no timeouts. They received the kickoff or the punt off because of the safety, but it's a bomb. So, of course, like you're thinking, oh, we're going to get it in the form of a punt. But the stupid punter for the Dolphins punts it down to like the five yard line or something. And then what can you do? And and it's all in Josh's hands and it didn't work out. I doubted it, but I, I thought it could happen. That's nice. You're looking at this through like a scientific lens or I guess a numbers backed lens, but for some reason, I always let myself get super excited in those cases, and I was supremely confident that they were going to be able to get downfield and at least put themselves in position to kick a game-winning field goal. But, yeah, obviously my hopes were dashed in the end when uh, Isaiah McKenzie could not get out of bounds. You could look at this on the flip side and say, hey, good on that Dolphins punter for uh, redeeming himself a little bit after donking his – end zone punt off of his teammates backside uh he had that great as you referenced he had that great punt to really pin the bills pretty far in their own territory i don't know man i don't know about the whole 
clutch gene and whether they have it or not. I think Josh does. I was looking at something. Josh has 11 game-winning drives in his young career. He had yeah, three last... Did he have three last season or the season before that? I can't but remember. But the way that that stat is kept, it, it is not like as the clock expires, you throw the final touchdown, you know? It's yeah, like, that's true. did you take the lead in the fourth quarter or something, mm. right? And so like the Bills get their game-winning drive in the second quarter a lot of times. I don't know how that stat is kept, but it could very well be that like Josh gets credit for a game-winning drive in the second quarter against the oh, Titans that's last weird, week, yeah, you know? Okay. So yeah, I, I don't know how stuff. that stat is kept, but I I thought they could get into field goal range, but I even thought if they do get into field goal range, like Tyler Bass already missed a field goal today. Who knows what's going on with that? Maybe the holder isn't doing a good job. Maybe it was blocked. It's a special teams thing. I didn't feel confident because I didn't feel confident about the Bills the whole game. They were really shaky against a Dolphins team that truly was not impressive at all. Like, But they that's exactly why impressive. I... I think I was confident because I was just thinking like, okay, I know this is totally ass backwards, but it's like the bills have done everything they can in this game to basically shoot themselves in the foot. So like all it need, all they need to do is do one thing right. And I figured that that was like asking for the minimum, maybe, I don't know. But like I said, in my head, it was just a sure thing that they were going to get down into a position to set themselves up for the win. But Obviously, that did not happen. So why don't we get into some of the broader points of this game, Graham? You said that this was about as angry as you have ever been after a Bills game. Am I right? I don't know. That's probably just hyperbole. I'm always as angry as I've ever been after a Bills loss, I think. That's uh, true. That's very true. <clears throat> it's fair to point out, given a day to think about it, that pro I was probably angrier when they lost to the Chiefs last year. That's probably the angriest I've ever been. Um, I was probably angrier during a lot of Bills losses. One particular Bills loss that I remember like just seeing red is in like 2014. They played in Toronto against the Falcons and like Scott Chandler didn't get out of bounds. I'm a Chan Gailey guy. <clears throat> yeah. uh, it, and it was a meaningless game. And I just remember losing my mind. So there have been games that I've lost my mind over. This wasn't that. I was pretty furious when it ended, but I cooled off quicker than most days because it's early in the season and the Bills are better than the Dolphins and that's going to shake itself out by the end of the season. I'm fairly confident in that even after seeing them lose yesterday. But it was really infuriating to see the Bills double the Dolphins in possession, in yardage, uh, in chances to score and come away with a loss. They shouldn't have lost this game. And Dolphins, it, one of the most annoying things about this is Dolphins fans right now on like Bleacher Report message boards or wherever saying like, all that matters is the W, like you don't get to say anything. We won the game. And it's like, yeah, you did win the game, but this does not make the Dolphins a powerhouse. I was, I was encouraged by how, uh, I don't know, mediocre the Dolphins were. Like they're not challenging the Bills for the division, I don't think. Do you? No, no. For the division, no. They're a little bit feistier, I think, than both of us could have imagined, though, here at the beginning of the season. At the beginning of the season, yes. But after what they did to the Ravens last week, I was thinking, like, are the Dolphins a dangerous AFC championship contender? And after watching them yesterday, they are not. That Dolphins team was 90 to 95% healthy at maximum capacity, as much as any NFL team is, and they did nothing. They were very vanilla the points they got were because of mistakes the bills made 
not because of impressive play on offense by Tua and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. This is just another team that has weapons that the Bills are going to be able to beat in the end. But, you know, credit to them for getting a win. It reminds me of like when the Bills beat the Patriots in 2011 and went up 5-0. and And everyone's like, wow, this is exciting. We got Ryan Fitzpatrick and we've got a few wins here. But the Patriots must have been like, okay, we're going to win the yeah. division. Like, nice game. We'll see you when we're in the playoffs and you're not, you know? This is yeah. how I feel about the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins might make the playoffs, but they're not scary to me when the Bills are healthy and later in the season when they've, you know, gotten into a rhythm. Well, it's interesting to me, Graham, that you went all the way back to 2014 to talk about how you were this angry or the last time you were this angry because I actually remember last year a very similar game to this game, and that was against the Patriots in the snow. And what I mean by similar is that In the like, wind, not snow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wind, uh, wind and snow, right? That was just a really windy game. No, there was snow on the ground. Why am I imagining snow I mean, on the ground? Maybe there, there was, was snow. some snow, but the story of that game was not precipitation of any kind. It was crazy cold wind. Like, I wasn't at that game, but I was told by people who I was with at the insane, like, 10 below zero game in the playoffs that, like, this is nothing compared to how brutal it was being outside for that Monday night game or whatever that was mm. against the Patriots. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it was snow. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it was, I wind think it was wind driven snow, but I'm not sure. But either way, what I mean by that is that you were so angry at that after the end of that game, because you were sitting here knowing that the bills are the better, better team, but just like weather and weird stuff going on throughout the game, partially due to, to the weather prevented the bills from showing that they were the better, better team on the field. Um, and that's kind of what happened here with just the crazy humidity and losing receivers left and right to cramps and stuff like that and losing players left and right because of injuries. Uh, you said that the Dolphins were a pretty healthy team. I would argue against that because they have their offensive line issues as well. The other cornerbacks spot opposite Xavier Howard is pretty much uh, a no-go right now because Byron Jones isn't out there, but the Bills, man, they got hit with the injury bug hard before this game and during this game. And it'll be interesting to see what the status of a lot of these players is after the game. I don't think there's a team out there that's fully healthy, you know? So like, No way. This was a crazy have, week for injuries. <clears throat> like a couple left offensive and right, it just seemed like people going out. And a cornerback. But the Bills have two safeties who have a combined start of one between them. Two mm -hmm. rookie cornerbacks. <clears throat> their offensive line at the beginning of the game is a backup center. And then pretty quickly they lose Spencer Brown. They lose Ryan Bates. Then they go to their third string center by the third quarter. The bills were, and not to mention all the cramps of, you know, Stefan Diggs leaves the game. Christian Benford leaves the game with a hand at one point. Uh, Dawson Knox leaves the game and has to come Isaiah like, McKenzie had to get an <clears throat> IV, right? Yeah. So, right. And, insane. and Isaiah McKenzie is from South Florida. He spends his off seasons there. This was a, an unusual circumstance. And to the Dolphins architect of Sun, whatever, what is it? Hard Rock Stadium. They've designed it so that the <laughs> I was Dolphins. wondering what the hell you were talking about for a second. Think of what their stupid Are they praying to some like God known as the architect down in Miami or something? Well, they've designed it so that their sideline is in the shade and the opponent's sideline is in the sun. And, you know, sure. Good work. Well done. You've got a home field advantage. And the Bills should be using their home field advantage in the winter, which 
people say that it's an archaic way to think, but I like the fact that the Bills are going to keep an open stadium because you're going to get weather, and it's nice to be able to host the Southern teams in January for playoff games when it's a blizzard in Buffalo. I think that that's, that's a fun aspect of this. But I think that's fun. Real quick side note. I think that's fun now because the Bills are good, but I was also reading about how uh, there's a huge movement to get a new stadium in Chicago for the Bears. And like they did a public uh, poll about it. Do they want a retractable field? Do they want a dome? Do they want this or that? Um, and everybody's like, dude, I don't want to sit outside in the crappiest weather you could imagine when the Bears suck. You know what I mean? So Yeah, when your team yeah, is bad. It's, that's, but, you know, people are soft, too. That's what you get there. Soft Chicago fans. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, such an anyway, old man shouting at the clouds. <laughs> that's what it is. But let's let's get into this game a little bit. Let's start sort of, I don't know, as positive as we could be. Is there anything the Bills did well? Like anything you're happy with after this game? I really like what the defense did. The defense, I was terrified when I heard that uh yeah, not only was Micah Hyde gonna miss the rest of the season, which absolutely sucks. Jordan Poyer, Poyer inactive, Dane Jackson, obviously, after that scary neck injury, also inactive. And I was terrified, especially after last week with what they did against the Ravens, what Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell could do against this very young, very inexperienced secondary. And I think that they did a really good job holding it down. And we were talking before the pod that like outside of a couple huge Long passes to Jalen Waddell. Thank you, Jalen. Got you on my fantasy team. Um, they did a really good job bottling up the receiving core for Miami, which was by far their most dangerous component on offense. I was concerned in talking to you before this, too, because you were kind of like going in on some of the players on the Bills defense. But I, I really thought that they held their own. Like Jaquan Johnson, DeMar Hamlin did what they had to do save two plays I think two big plays that the Dolphins offense had great effort by the Bills defense they did their job they held the Dolphins offense to 212 yards of total offense that's a an extremely pedestrian day for an NFL team and this Bills defense had not even their whole starting front seven we didn't even mention that Ed Oliver hasn't played in two weeks and no Jordan Phillips so you've got Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds. Matt Milano has an outstanding day, but could have won the Bills the game and didn't. That Dude, is we're, we're trying to keep it positive right now, okay? Okay. Bills that's, defense was that's, great. Yeah. Bills defense yeah. played really, really well. Um, but I have to kind of pump the brakes on that a little bit because the defense played really well. The, the one huge play that the Dolphins get on third and 22 is just an insane play call by Leslie Frazier. I don't know why they chose to only rush three there, but the the players on the field did everything they possibly could. And other than a dropped pick six played a great game. Okay. All right. Good. I was worried that you were going to veer us off into negative. I tried to bring myself back. Yes. There's a lot of negative. Keep getting pulled in that direction. Um, The other thing that I really liked is that motor Singletary, man, a, a, a dude not known for his soft hands. Yeah. Catching passes out of the backfield, making plays, making guys miss. He didn't have the most productive day uh, or he didn't have a productive day at all running the ball, but catching the ball, 
That was really nice to see. And James Cook getting involved too with a few receptions. I really liked what they were doing with the short passes when it was clear that uh, the long stuff wasn't working out. So I like that and the offense's ability to sort of adapt to the situation. And I'm going to stop there because I don't want to get negative. Yeah, they were, else, they were beating blitzes with the screen game and short passes, which the Bills don't typically do. So it's it's cool to see that element of the game break out a little bit because they don't throw to their running backs if you go back two years. But here they are throwing the ball to James Cook got involved, like you said, in, in a part of the game that actually mattered for a change. Uh, and then Devin Singletary goes off for 98 yards receiving. Nine receptions is, is a great game for him, too. Um, and I, I do think Josh played really well in most situations. He's a, still an excellent quarterback, but he was crazy at times. He just was like, oh, okay. So just, now we're getting negative. Yeah. Do are it. you, do you have anything left to say? That's good. No, no, I'm good. We're good. All right. Let's dive in on the negativity then. Oh, you go, bro. Number one, I think horrible clock management from Josh, Ken Dorsey, whoever's responsibility. They absolutely blew the end of the first half. They blew the end of the game. Josh made a lot of risky throws that could have been picks, um, and they couldn't score on the goal line to go up at the end of the game. They they needed a a one-yard rushing play and couldn't get it. So all that, you change all that, and the Bills win the game. But that was one of my major frustrations, was whoever it is, Josh or Ken Dorsey, blew it in those situations my big thing was like where what the hell happened on that throw to isaiah mckenzie at the end of the game where he just ducked it to his feet basically that was so weird so out of character because isaiah mckenzie was like wide open do you remember that that play on fourth down in the end zone yeah he just skips it across the ground It's it's just a bad throw really bad throw and josh didn't come through in that moment yeah That was rough. Uh, But the offensive line didn't give him a whole lot of help either, especially, obviously, in the early uh, part of the game. He fumbled in their own – it was, I think, inside their own 20, right? Set the Dolphins up for an easy score. Uh, That was when he was trying to argue, I think, with the ref that he had uh, been trying to throw the ball like he was in a forward-throwing motion, but it was clear that uh, Javon Holland had – stripped him before that and so set Miami up with a really easy scoring opportunity which they took full advantage of yeah before I forget I want to credit the Dolphins defense in this game probably the best unit in the game Dolphins defense wins that game for them between Javon Holland and Melvin Ingram insane after how bad they looked against against Baltimore early last week uh, yeah it was so weird to see them just turn into like a show-stopping unit but between those two guys, I thought Melvin Ingram and Javon Holland played really great. Like they're yeah. excellent members of a defense that are going to be trouble for teams in the future. Uh, but yeah, that play, that is the Bills handing points over to the Dolphins. They handed points over to the Dolphins there with Deion Dawkins just getting roasted on Josh's blind side. And then they did mm-hmm. it again on third and 22 when they gave up a whatever 50 yard bomb to Jalen Waddle to get him down to the goal line. And then the refs did everything they could to get him into the end zone with nonsense mm-hmm. calls, unnecessary roughness, which I've said it before is the most infuriating call because it's a little man in a stripy shirt 
dictating how much roughness should have been used. He knows just how much roughness was appropriate in that situation. Not the professional athletes that are flying all over the field and putting their bodies at risk, but the little man in the stripy shirt. He's got it all figured out, everybody, just exactly how much roughness should have been applied in that situation. It's the stupidest well, thing ever. I think it's dumb. I agree. I there justification over the sort of ambiguity of unnecessary roughness, I believe is all about player safety. And so they look at the play and they say, did this need to happen? Mm, if it's a maybe, could the player have gotten hurt? Yes. Then they go with that. And obviously you can make the argument. Yeah, it's football. A person yeah, can get I, art, I'm uh, come injured back with on that. any single play. Exactly. If those are the questions you're asking, could someone have gotten hurt? Was this dangerous? Well, we just shouldn't have come. We should have stayed home. Everybody just shouldn't have come out to the field today in 90 degree weather. And nobody should be out here running around and putting their like it's a professional sport. There's a risk associated with it. So you've just come up with all of these insane, obscure. I'm, I'm less angry rules. about that. I'm less angry about that because I, I do, you know, Obviously, I want to see like head-to-head -head shots and stuff taken out of the game and things like that. Uh, what I have a major problem with, though, is if you're going to make a BS call like that with the idea of player safety being the, the main factor, how the hell did people let Tua back into this game? They said after the game that Tua suffered like a back injury or something, and that's why Teddy Bridgewater had to come on. Yeah, that was at the right. end of the, the first we half. We all right? saw him stand up oh and not even God. be able to like move his he legs. He had no idea where he was. Yeah, and and his own player had to just like grab him and hold him upright until the trainers could be like, "All right, let's go, Tua. Come on with us." And I think they skipped the blue tent. Right, they didn't even go into that little blue tent that I they, don't know. they usually didn't show bring it, out. But they uh, he ran right to the locker room, and then he came out second half, played the entire second half like it was nothing. I and at the end of the game, they said it was a back injury. Yeah, that's such BS. It's a lie. Yep, it's total garbage. Um, but on the flip side, like I was fine to have Tua come back out. Tua is not scary. He's still not a scary quarterback. The one. Good deep throw happens because Leslie Frazier doesn't have the guts to do what has been working the whole game. I don't know why he doesn't have the guts to bring pressure there on that play. It's the same thing as the playoff game against the Chiefs, Chiefs in 13 seconds. Why aren't you going to put pressure on the quarterback? That's what beats him. Anyway, fine, bring Tua back out there. But also, I was like watching this hit, this Matt Milano late hit on the quarterback. Yeah, fine. He probably shouldn't have shoved him there. Who falls like that? And, and and lands on their head like that. Don't victim shame, Graham. Oh, absolutely. I'm victim. He doesn't have the, like, protective instincts to not slam his head backwards. That's not well, even. Well, first of all, he fell out, He fell straight onto his ass, right? Right. And, and I think his momentum slid him. So he was on his ass sliding backwards. And I think it's pretty natural in that movement to have your head follow the momentum and whack against the ground like Scale that. Scale of 1 to 10. How rough and dangerous was the hit, quote unquote, that Matt Milano put on uh, to a tongue of Iloa there? Oh, dude, I don't know. How dangerous? No dangerous? You line up every hit that every quarterback in the NFL takes from day one to the final game of the season. I would say two Where or does three. that fall? Exactly. That's a two or a three, and that's how you're landing? Tua isn't going to last three years in the NFL. 
He's a China doll and not helping himself at all. I would not have fallen like that. I'm not a, a superior athlete, but I know that when you fall backwards, you should roll or get your arms down, something to break your fall. He just, like, throws his arms in the air and slams his head backward like an idiot. So, yeah, I'm, I'm Grimm's, victim blaming. I am doing that. Graham's co-host and the multiple sponsors of the show do not in any way, shape, or form uh, agree with his sentiments right there. All I, right, anything I else, I hope Graham? you disagree. I, I say, what kind of idiot falls like that? This is more clear evidence to me that he's not going to be able to hack it in this league. If that is a hit that's knocking you to your knees are wobbling and you can't stand up, you're not going to make it, man. But anyway, you're right. He shouldn't have come back out on the field. That is just dishonesty by the NFL safety team or whatever it is, and the Dolphins, all of them just together, turning a blind eye. Yeah, but nothing's going to happen from it, so. No, oh, well. except the uh, anything else to mention. Probably not going to remember the last week of his life. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Anything else? Yeah, there's tons of tons of terrible things uh, that happen in this game. Um, Milano Go dropped pick six. Let's... The defense yep. oh, played great, yeah, but they that. win the game yeah. if Milano just catches the simplest pass that's ever been tossed into his breadbasket and walks into the end zone. Uh, he had a pick six last week that was way more difficult than this. I don't know what happened here. He should have run that in. Um, he had a great game. He's currently Pro he Football Focus's number one rated linebacker in the league. But that play could have won the Bills the game, and I believe would have. And I've referenced it many times. Leslie Frazier, you cannot send only three defensive linemen on third and 22. There's not. There are very few teams in the league that if you give them eight seconds in the pocket, aren't going to find somebody. We know this from playing backyard football. If you let receivers run around in circles for eight seconds, they're going to find a window. And this is particularly true when the two receivers on the other side of the ball are the fastest stinking guys in the NFL. I don't know what he's thinking. It's the stupidest strategy there. We talked about it last week. Bring pressure, you're going to be fine. And the Bills brought pressure 95% of the time in this game, and they were fine. The couple times they didn't, they got roasted. Well, I don't know, because... In previous week, I, I, obviously, you can look at the result of this and be like, yeah, that was a mistake. That was a bad call. But weren't we also just praising Leslie Frazier like a week or two ago because of the amount of pressure they were able to generate with just three four rushers? Four guys with just four rushers. Uh, three, you're, not, you're not going anywhere with three. But you got to send... Well, it depends on who the three are. Aaron Donald, TJ Watt. Joey Bosa. <laughs> if those are your three and it's the Pro Bowl and for some reason they care, then yeah. You're no more Pro Bowl, by the way. Yeah, Breaking news. We no more Pro Bowl. That later. But you're yeah. not getting anywhere with three against five offensive linemen. No matter who they are, you're not breaking through. You have to send four. The Bills are doing a great job getting pressure with four. You're not getting anywhere by swapping out Brandon Bryant for Cam Lewis on that play. It doesn't do you any yeah. good. You need to get pressure. It's so dumb, so basic to me. I did. It's the most frustrating thing to me about it is you hope that they won't do that anymore because that's what cost you your season last year, and they're still doing it. The same thing. So annoying. Well, dude. Weirdly enough, there's something that kind of points to evidence that that might eventually work. You know, like you try something a few times and you totally get burned for it, but third you know third fourth fifth time uh this is totally off topic in some ways but gus bradley now defensive coordinator coordinator of the indianapolis colts coordinated the raiders last season and 
had two of the worst games you could ever have against Patrick Mahomes because they refused to do that too high safety thing. And he was just like, no, I think, yeah, I don't think we need to do that. Uh, everybody else in the league is doing it and they're having great success kind of shutting down the Chiefs game, but we're not going to do that. And Patrick Mahomes put up like 40 point game against the Raiders. He did the same exact thing this past weekend. And that's the reason why I am now out of our survival pool. So, <laughs> yeah, we should talk about that later, too. Um, but I have a question for you. Is Gus yeah. Bradley's defense sporting two safeties who have a combined starting total of one between them and two rookie cornerbacks? I would have to say no. No, it's not. Without... So even yeah. if you're just a kid on your couch playing Madden, you know not to roll the dice with your woefully inexperienced secondary in those situations. I don't know. I'm not an NFL coordinator, so maybe there's a strategy here that's going way over my head, but it just seemed so frustrating. And even before the snap, I was like, what are we doing? What What are we doing? It's third and 22. Bring some pressure. Shut this down. It's over. And sure enough, they go over the top. So that was annoying. Anything else you have to say on that? Because I got more. Let's keep it coming, man. Let the hate out. Uh, Gabe Davis, you where are you? Heart, let it out. Where oh are you, Gabe God. Davis? Oh my God! Every yeah. major moment in this game, he gets two hands on the ball and gets hit by a defensive back and drops it every single yeah. time. In a moment that was really critical, Gabe Davis can't finish. Mm. That was rough, man. And and I don't know that touchdown pass. Did the guy get a firm hand on it? I don't remember seeing the guy getting a firm hand to break up that pass. It he, looked like he was coming down with it already, right? Yeah, and I think the guy did get his hand like sort of on the ball. These are good defensive plays. Like the, the Dolphins' defense played very well. But you have to – Gabe Davis isn't getting separation, right? Like he's not breaking away from receivers like Stephon Diggs is. He's not out in space. So you have to be able to win these contested battles. You have to make tough catches – in traffic against a, a cornerback. And so if you're not open, you've got to have strong hands. And he just was useless in this game. He dropped all these important receptions that could have gotten the Bills a first down, got him into field goal range, got the Bills a touchdown. He dropped them all. He just was such a disappointment to me. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you only spent a couple of weeks as a dad and you're already... Dropping the disappointment. I'm disappointed in you, Gabe. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm just very Woof. disappointed. Woof, man. That's uh, okay. All Anything right. else to uh, add? I have two more to add. One is Ooh. the missed field goal <laughs> that I don't even think. Did we not talk about that already? Should have been attempt. Well, we didn't talk about the fact that I don't even think they should have gone for it. Why do you care about going up by six? Go for it on fourth uh, down. What was it? Fourth and two. Go for it on fourth well, down and, and extend Dude, they make that field goal and they win the game, though. By the end of the game, we look back and we see that, yes. Sure. But you you are still down by a touchdown. So unless you're super confident in your defense, which at that point in the game, it's not even halftime yet. Like, you don't know if your defense is going to be able to hang on this whole game. It's a very inexperienced crew. You've got an offense that is your bread and butter Go for it on fourth down and get it again. You can keep doing this. I don't care about going up by six points. Keep 
the hmm. Bills or the Dolphins offense off the field, keep the defense on the field and go for it. Keep driving it down their throat on those fourth down conversions. I hated that they went for it and then they missed it anyway. So, you know, didn't do you any good. I don't know why they missed it. Yeah. I don't know if it was blocked or just a terrible hold or Tyler Bass screwed up for once in his life, but wasted opportunity. There. I don't know. I'm not going to poo poo that. I think that in some cases you just take the points and at that point they weren't getting, you know, they weren't having a whole lot of success on offense, as you said. So I just take the points there and whatever, but apparently it was not a given, huh? And the, but the only other it, thing is just the thousand injuries. You're not going to be able to overcome terrible decision-making and missed opportunities like the bills had in this game. If 50% of your starting roster is out. So that to me is where you get a giant asterisk for this game. This doesn't really mean very much. It's annoying that they're not first place in their own division and annoying that it's the stupid Dolphins and annoying that now you're going to hear in the media that the Bills are not the favorite for the Super Bowl anymore or this and that. But if you block all that out, you can say this is not a situation where the Bills were at 100%. It's a very weird game in the temperature and all that. When the Bills are healthy again, you're going to get back Trey White. You're not going to get Micah Hyde back, but you are going to get back Poyer. Your starting secondary, other than Hyde, is going to come back, and eventually they're going to get right, and these things won't be problems anymore. So try not to dwell on it too much. I don't think it ultimately means very much in the long run. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, before we get into some other hopeful news from around the league, let's just clear our heads a little bit, you know, take a deep breath. Let's just remind ourselves that... Oh, just let the nice... Music it's like an episode of Mr. Rogers. Wash over you. Breathe, Graham. Breathe. I'll just remind myself that I am the champion in our survivor pool, and it's all gonna be okay. Dude, Colts. They didn't just let me down one week. They let me down two weeks. Yeah. Your secondary team, the Indianapolis Colts, really took it to you this season in the survivor pool. Oh and three. And twice, thanks to them. I'm I'm really close to actually cutting ties with the Colts right now. <laughs> I'm really close. I, you're laughing about it, but I'm serious. I think that, you know, after such a terrible showing down in Jacksonville, like really an embarrassing showing, um, just going against my lock, my lock, and taking down the, the almighty Chiefs, it was really disrespectful to me and i've been pretty loyal to them over the years so it, it hurt it really did yeah well i'm sorry for you i signed into yahoo today and i got a big congratulations you won your survivor pool in week three <laughs> <laughs> yes the audience is loving it i stunk too i have two strikes through three weeks it was a pretty brutal year for uh survivor pools <laughs> well it can't get much worse than what i did that's true. three strikes in three weeks oh for three but whatever next year graham next year your ass is grass and i'm gonna mow it we'll do it next year you spent some time putting this soundboard together huh thank you yeah i, I like tried it. did you I get tried. the baby legs bit in there yet oh no you gotta send me that i all right fine when he breaks out we gotta have that ready to go Besides, yes, our survival pool. Chiefs, man, it was a weird week. Yeah. The Chiefs went down. 
Who else went down? The well, Chargers got slammed. Yeah, they did. Um, not that it's By a huge Jaguars. surprise, but the Bucks lost to the Packers. But that game was like fourteen sure, to twelve, sure. like a really low scoring game for two supposedly dominant teams or you know Super Bowl yeah. favorite teams, future Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, man. It was a weird week all around. So I think like the Dolphins, credit to them, they won a game that you know, was just had insane conditions and stuff like that. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not a terrible time to get your first loss of the season, especially because the Chiefs also got their first loss. Are, are the Chargers now? The Chargers are two and one, right? Um, I can No, they're one here. and two. Or yeah, they're one and yeah, two. They're one and two. They beat the Raiders they week the one. They lost to the Chiefs. And then they just got stomped by the Jags. Yep. And... I was really worried about the Chargers, especially after week one. And, and I, Justin Herbert, you know, you're not like, out of the woods yet. You need to be concerned about the Chargers. They just because they're one and two doesn't mean they're not going to run. No, I I agree with you, but like they're a weird, weird team to me right now, especially because Justin Herbert's dealing with like severe rib injuries, and they left him in late in that game, which was so weird. They left him in so late, and he was getting pounded late in that game when there was no hope of winning and like Brandon Staley had to answer a bunch of questions about that. And he was just like, Oh yeah, you know, Justin's a competitor and everything like that. But dude, that's like your job. You should be taking him out of the game. You yeah. should not be letting your star quarterback take a beating in a game where you have no chance to come back. Fair point. Um, to the dolphins, they are three and O and you know, credit to them for getting to three and O. I think a lot of people thought after last week, just this is a point that I've heard discussed in the media. Has Tua cemented his place as the Dolphins quarterback, do you think, by now? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Because after what he did in the fourth quarter of the Ravens game, a lot of people were saying, like, that's it. No matter what happens from now on, you're always going to be able to say, well, look, he threw for six touchdowns in a game against the Ravens. He's got it in him. And I would love it if he did just enough for – all of Miami's organization to say we have to stick with him because I, I do not believe in him. I still have watched the Bills play against him a number of times. I don't believe in his arm. I think they've got a lot of weapons on offense and they're doing some good things with their defense, but he is not a scary quarterback. I, I would love it if the Dolphins stuck with him and said, all right, he's proven that he's our guy. Let's just stick with him for the next five years because I'm still not scared of him. Yeah, he... I think like any NFL quarterback, he's got potential to have a big game in him, but he is he's just not a dude who scares you at all. He's not mobile like at all. He cannot run, he cannot move around very well, and he doesn't have the strongest arm, so it's like I don't know, you could look at the game last week, this this six touchdown, 400-yard performance and and kind of see flashes of Matt Flynn with the uh Packers way back in the day when he had a six touchdown game against the Lions, I think. But yeah, I'm not I'm not afraid of Tua at all. And if the Dolphins do decide that he is their guy, then I think that's pretty good news for the Bills. But yeah, I'm saying this early into his third season, I think we're in. Yeah, early into his third season, a lot can change. So who knows? That's right. Talk about the was, Ravens a little bit. Oh, I thought you wanted to talk about the Pro Bowl. Yeah, let's talk about the Ravens first. Oh, yeah, we can mention the Pro Bowl um, at the end of the episode, maybe. Get into some league news or something. Spoiler, it's gone. <clears throat> <laughs> All right, we don't have to talk about it then. <laughs> uh, the Ravens 
the team that lost to the Dolphins last week <clears throat> are the Bills' opponent next week. So a good game to watch would be that Dolphins-Ravens game from last week. Well, would have been prior to this week because you get to see both of the next two Bills' opponents. Um, and Lamar is having a crazy year. Oh so God, yeah. when we get into talking about this game, his contract is still in dispute of what he's going to do moving forward. And he's making things really difficult on the Ravens because he's having a, an MVP season right now. I think a lot of yeah. people would say. Yeah. I think I read something that he's had like 14 career games where he's had over, uh, over three touchdowns on the ground, I think, and a hundred yards or three touchdowns through the air and a hundred yards on the ground. So Good on you, Lamar Jackson. Please sign a long-term contract if for no other reason than to shut up Graham and make his crazy prediction uh, end up being false. He's going to have to keep it going the whole season, and it, it is still early. Like I think that there is still an opportunity for teams to you know watch what the Ravens are doing and shut it down, and then by the end of the season, the Ravens are just having a really hard time moving the ball. But right now, He's very dangerous, and he's still doing a lot with his legs, which is that kind of is what is allowing me to stick to my theory because you can still stop him from running, and that's like a huge part of his game. So if the Bills stop him from running, then you're going to force him to throw it, and he's throwing it pretty well right now, but I, I have confidence in the Bills' defense to be able to uh, minimize him a little bit. Um, do you want to get into our position breakdown? Yeah, man, let's do it. All right. All right. So starting with quarterback, as you said, Lamar Jackson on an MVP pace, Josh Allen doing pretty well despite a few mental gaffes this past week. So is it close for you, Graham? Do you, do you, I know you're going to put Josh ahead of Lamar, but is this like a close comparison for you right now? Yeah, I think it is. I have to put my, all of my predictions and my opinions about the Ravens and all that aside you look at three games through this season, this is a pretty close matchup between two very good quarterbacks uh, that are at the top of their game at this point. I do think Josh throws the ball better from inside the pocket and on the run. I think the more of the field is available to Josh than it is to Lamar, but Lamar can throw the deep ball when he gets the opportunity and he can run like a gazelle. So if you bottle him up and you keep your safeties high, you got to force him to throw things low and take, tight ends and screen passes and things like that. And I, I still think you beat him that way. Um, but I think Josh is a more impressive quarterback. He's got more ability, especially as a passer. So I still take Josh, um, but it is tough. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to no. take Lamar right now. No, you're not. I am going to take Lamar right now. All right. Let's, I think wow. that Josh Allen, this is my thing. So as we said, when we started doing this again at the beginning of the season, for me, it's not like a, a season long view or anything like that, or how I think this person is as an overall player in their career or anything like that. It's how they're playing right now. And nobody is playing quarterback better than Lamar Jackson. And granted, his version of playing quarterback is way different than any others. But like, I mean, he's just... He's the fastest guy on the field. Whenever he takes off running, he is the fastest guy on the field. He brings so much to the Ravens offense that makes them so difficult to defend. And even when they started to sort of fall off 
against the Dolphins, it wasn't really Lamar Jackson's fault. He was still hitting his throws. He was still scrambling for yards and things like that. It wasn't really on him. Um, Josh has played great thus far in the season, but Lamar Jackson is, in my opinion, the front runner for MVP. And just for right now, in this game, where how they have played in the last three weeks, I got to go with Lamar Jackson. I think that the the Ravens so far have not really been tested defensively. <clears throat> like you said, the, the Dolphins defense played horribly against the Ravens in week two. They had a pretty good game last week, but they played terribly against the Ravens. They played the Patriots last week, and they played the Jets in week one. So this is not a team that's gone up against a true it's test true. defensively. And I think the Bills have done a really nice job shutting down Lamar in the past. They've taken away his ability to run every time they've played him in the past and forced him to throw it. And the Bills play their safeties deep. It's going to be harder, especially if Jordan Poyer doesn't play like we talked about. We're doing this episode on Monday, so a lot could happen in terms of that injury report between now and when this game kicks off next Sunday. But um, if they keep their safeties deep, Lamar can't throw down the field to Devin DuVernay or whoever else. He can't throw that deep ball. He's going to have to settle for short stuff, and I don't think that the Bills are going to let him out of the pocket. He might break off a couple Mm -hmm. 10-yard runs, but they do a nice job of containing him, so I think they're going to be able to, to shut him down. Interesting. Well, we'll get into that with the skill position just now. But uh, yeah, I think that the whole thing with like the Bills have traditionally played Lamar Jackson pretty well and stuff like that, that kind of falls apart a little bit to me because this is obviously like every other season, a totally new defense. Uh, It's suffered a lot of attrition so far. And I think if I'm not mistaken, the Patriots have done a pretty good job in the past of playing Lamar Jackson pretty well also. And that was not the case this last week. Well, the Patriots have done a really nice job of winning Super Bowls as well. This team's not going to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's fair. But what I mean is like the Patriots defense has always been like Bill Belichick versus the other team's offense. It's not like they've had stars on their defense and stuff like that. The Patriots' defense in terms of its personnel is no better or worse than it's been in past seasons, I think. I just, whether it's Bill Belichick kind of being behind the eight ball or Lamar Jackson just being a freak this season, I think that, yeah, that shows me something and tells me that we can't just look to the past to see how the Bills are going to perform in the future. Um, But let's get into the skill positions because you did mention – Devin DuVernay and the downfield threats for Lamar Jackson, but that doesn't include their intermediate threat. A guy I got on my fantasy team, Mark Andrews. Yep. He is the scariest tight end going right now. And they've got a crazy connection. Those two. Um, So, you know, while you're talking about, are we switching over to talking about skill positions now? Is that what we're doing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark Andrews is a much bigger threat than Dawson Knox. He's, the only tight end in the league who you'd probably say he competes with in that way is maybe Travis Kelsey. So uh, you give them the edge for sure at that position, but that's what Lamar Jackson is going to be doing this whole game, checking down to Mark Andrews. So this is all about putting whoever you can. I, it's probably Tremaine. I don't know who you put on Mark Andrews. Cause he's probably too big for Matt Milano to be on the whole game or <clears throat> Taron Johnson. You probably don't want him 
on Mark Andrews is probably a, no, a task for Jermaine small. Edmonds. So if he can do that job, then you'll take away what Lamar is going to need to do in this game. Because like I said, I think the Bills are going to take away the over-the-top stuff, and Lamar doesn't throw for a lot of yards. Last week they won the game. He threw for 218. Josh threw for 400 last week. So this is what I'm saying about Lamar versus Josh. If you take away Josh's running, he's going to beat you through the air. It's going to take drops from everyone all over the field and mistakes everywhere else for the Bills to lose. You take away Lamar's running, you're going to force him to throw the ball into tight windows, and that's not his game. So find a way to shut down Mark Andrews, and you've got your ticket to a victory. Okay. So we're both taking Mark Andrews over Dawson Knox. That's for sure. But let's look at wide receiver next because you keep saying that, you know, it's Mark Andrews or bust, but I disagree because I think that the Baltimore Ravens have a pretty good number one receiver now in Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman um, didn't have a great game against the Patriots last week, but the week before, or this past week, but the week before he had, he went over a hundred yards against the Dolphins, which is, you know, more than any of the Bills receivers did. Um, Rashad Bateman is a dude who can beat you downfield. He's a dude who can beat you short. Coming out of, uh, I think it was Minnesota, maybe. Rashad Bateman was like viewed as the one of the number one receivers in his class. And I think that's shown in his second season now. Yeah, so I like Rashad Bateman. I do like Devin Duvernay as kind of like a do-it-all dude. He's more of like a returner, but he's a pretty good deep threat as well. But as as much as I like Rashad Bateman, I am going to have to go with the Bills receiving core here. Gabe Davis coming off of a bad game. I think we can both agree has to redeem himself. Hopefully Steph Diggs and Isaiah McKenzie are able to beat their cramps. And uh, yeah. I say Bills receivers. I say Bills receivers too because Devin Duvernay, Rashad Bateman, Demarcus Robinson, um, these are not – Oh, yeah, I forgot he was on the team. These are not receivers that are going to outplay Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie on a routine basis. Uh, And last week comes with a big asterisk, injuries, heat, all that. So, you know, if you get your receivers healthy, I take the Bills here. At the running back position – J.K. Dobbins got in the game last week for his first game back in like two years, coming off like a destroyed knee, right? It was like an ACL, LCL, everything. Didn't he wreck it all? Um, I don't I don't think he had a big game, and I think the running game is basically Lamar Jackson at this point, so I would give the edge to the Bills at running back still at this point. Uh, yeah, I think, didn't he have, yeah, he, he suffered an ACL, J.K. Dobbins. Um you're giving it to the Bills, okay? I think that the Ravens running game is also just completely built around Lamar Jackson. Justice Hill, though, looked pretty good against the Chiefs. He had a nice long run, or against the Patriots, he had a nice long run. Um, it just seems like they can put whoever, though, in the backfield. As long as Lamar Jackson is doing his thing, they can put whoever in the backfield, and with their read option stuff, they can get uh, pretty much any running back going. So... I don't think anybody in this Ravens backfield is very special right now. And for that reason, I'm also going to give it to the Bills. But the Bills running backs didn't do anything against Miami. Outside of a 40-yard run, I think it was, from 
Zach Moss, and I'm talking on the ground, obviously. I, I did give uh, Motor Singletary his props for um, catching all those passes, but I just really want to see the Bills get the running game going this week and, yeah, get either Motor Singletary, Zach Moss, or James Cook into a nice rhythm here. Uh, I'm confident that they could do that, so for that reason, I'm also going to go with the Bills running backs. So that's All two right. out of three to the yeah. Bills in terms of skill positions. I give the edge to the Bills at what skill about? positions here as well. All right. What about offensive line, Graham? Uh, boy, the Bills are pretty depleted at this position. So <clears throat> because of the injury factor, I, I would hope that we would get Mitch Morse back, um, but he didn't play at all in this game, and we don't know what the injury situation is going to be by then. So um, it's possible that we won't have him. Ryan Bates, still a question mark. And I would think that we'd have Spencer Brown back. He left with heen illness in this game. So if that's the injury, he should be back and um, playing by next week. But um, if all things are healthy and everybody's healthy across the board, it's still tough. I, I like the Ravens center and Tyler Linder. Is it Tyler Linderbaum? He was a rookie yeah. that they drafted this year. He's having a pretty good season in the middle. Um, they've got a good right side of their offensive line. I think Morgan Moses was a highly touted tackle coming out of college who's bounced around a little bit. But the left side is pretty weak, and I think the Bills are a little more stable across the board if they have their starting five. So I would give it to the Bills. Yeah, that's that's a nice caveat to use, though, if they have their starting five. The Ravens, as you mentioned, the left side of the line is a bit of a mess. I think I read somewhere that the Ravens were down to their fourth string left tackle at this point. Um, normally, they got Ron, Ronnie Stanley, Notre Dame product, out there at left tackle, and he's awesome. But he's dealt with injuries basically for the last two years, I think, after signing a huge uh, contract extension. He has not been able to stay healthy. They just put Juwan James, who was backing up Ronnie Stanley. They just put James on injured reserve. And yeah, they were down to Patrick McCarry, who suffered an ankle injury against the Patriots. So it'll be interesting to see who they can pull off the street to uh, line up at left tackle. But I'm not confident that that guy is going to be better than Deion Dawkins. And everywhere else on this line, I don't see them being better than the Bills either. So I'm going with the Bills on offensive line. All right, so still a lot of edge for Buffalo here. How about the defensive line? Ooh, uh, I really like what the Bills did against Miami last week. Greg Rousseau had an awesome game. Um, and you hope that Ed Oliver can come back here. I love the Bills' defensive line, and for that reason, I'm going to go with them. The Ravens defensive line, they got Kalice Campbell, who I was convinced was done and was going to hang it up this past offseason. I think I even said to you as much at some point uh, before free agency when you mentioned him as a possible guy that the Bills could bring in. I thought, yeah, he's like in the booth or something this season. But he's still playing. He's still playing well, apparently. Um, and they have Michael Pierce at nose tackle, who's been good, but I think he's also dealing with injuries a bit this season. So I don't know if we'll actually even see him this weekend. That's we we forgot to mention at the top of the show. That's one of the things that's kind of uh, 
bad about putting out a podcast episode so early in the week because we don't really know the status of a lot of these players headed into the upcoming weekend just yet, but got to do what you got to do. Um, yeah, so I'm going with the Bills defensive line. What do you think? Me too. I If Ed Oliver plays, then it's just like a total sweep um, because yeah. the way that Greg Rousseau played the last two weeks and obviously Von Miller's been excellent, the defensive end situation is one of the best in the league. So if the interior is strong, which they've been pretty solid, then it's not a lot of defensive lines that I would probably pick over this one right now. Um, if it's a bunch of backups in the middle, it's going to be a tough matchup. But, you know, Ed's been out a couple of weeks and they haven't been talking about this like it's a season-ending thing. It's constantly questionable. So I would hope that he would be back in the lineup coming up here in the next week or two. That's fair. That's fair. All right. So that leaves us with the linebacker core next, yeah? Yeah, Patrick Queen is supposed to be a big deal for them. Uh, he was a first-round pick a couple of years ago out of LSU, I think, um, and had good seasons in the past, but is not having a particularly good season this year. So no. <clears throat> um, between he and Josh Bynes, I don't think that this is a linebacker group to be concerned about at all right now, the way they're playing. And Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano are playing extremely well. So this isn't close. I give it to the Bills in the middle of the defense. Well, the Ravens are a weird team because I think they're one of the teams that run like a 3-4 base, right? So they also have um, Odafe Owe as their other like outside linebacker, but he's really like a defensive end. And they also have Justin Houston on this roster. He is also listed as a linebacker, although he plays what would be on other teams normally like a hand-on-the-ground pass rusher kind of outside linebacker um you know four is better than two so for that reason i'm going with the ravens no just kidding patrick queen having a trash season josh Bynes is fine uh but patrick queen especially is not playing well odafe owe um played really well last year as a rookie uh was great as a pass rusher but has not had the same success this season so far and as you said the Bills, Tremaine Edmonds, um, Matt Milano playing great for the most part besides a <clears throat> missed pick six, but or I should say, so I will go with the Bills. Yeah, that one is where it's not close. Um, the secondary, oh, this one pains me because I pick the Bills secondary all the time, but and I don't know if you've seen your phone since we started recording, um, but... Christian Benford broke his hand yesterday, so oh. he will probably not be playing. And they are oh. now like three to four guys deep at corner. Uh, potentially no Jordan Poyer, but hopefully he plays. I I'm going to give the secondary edge to basically any team at this point because no one's got Jeez. less experience in the secondary than the Bills. Um, and they've got talented corners and safeties. So they've got Marcus Peters. Marlon Humphrey uh, they've had tough weeks but um, and then their safeties are you know Chuck Clark has been playing really well they're free safety Marcus Williams these are all established experienced players that are you know not going to make a lot of mistakes back there um, so this is probably the first time ever that I'm not going to take the Bills secondary against their opponent I'm going Ravens dude that's bad with Christian Benford what are they going to do? It, like, I was just thinking, is there any free agent that they could call and be like, please, please come play for us? 
because this is getting bad. It is that was the position of worry headed into the season, right? Like no Trey White, Dane Jackson totally unproven as a starter. Um, and then he got two rookies, and now it's just looking terrible. I mean, last Who week they think? called up Jamarcus Ingram to fill in yeah, yeah, and yeah. needed to play him. So you're going to need Cam Lewis. You're going to need Saran Neal to play on the boundary probably. Um, yeah. You know who know. we need, Graham? We need the Goose. Bring back the Goose. I think the Goose is somewhere. <laughs> I think he's with the Jets, right? Is he with the he Jets or with the Eagles? Year. He was, but I don't know where he is now. Let's see. <gasps> he is with the Commanders. Commanders. So should they trade for Rashad? I Wild think they Goose? could. I All think right. they could. Let's put a trade package together. Second yeah. round pick, first this year's first for Dude, Rashad. To bring the goose, you're gonna need to part with a little more than a second rounder, bro. <laughs> oh boy, it's bad. Yeah, it is bad. There's nothing much I need to add. Uh, I'm going with the Ravens secondary as well. The one thing I do want to add, you mentioned Chuck Clark and Marcus Williams. They also have the best player from this past draft in that secondary, Kyle Hamilton. Uh, Notre Dame product, no big deal. Um, and yeah, man, like any, I would say anybody in there too deep could be starting for the Bills right now. Yeah. Including at safety. That's where probably got true Jaquan of Johnson most teams. Uh, you know, I think that the, the scheme that the Bills run and the pressure that they can generate up front is good enough to protect for a couple of weeks against most teams with all these backup corners. You need Trey White to come back. Now you need Christian Benford to come back. You need Jordan Poyer to come back. You need these guys to come back healthy too. We're getting to a point where the Bills might have to like give games away basically just to get to the bye week, get healthy, and be able to do something afterwards uh, because – you don't need these guys playing hurt and further injuring themselves and sacrificing your season because nobody's able to get back on their feet. You know, it's a tough situation. Yeah, certainly is. All right. So we both gave it to the Ravens. Where are we going with special teams? I mean, for me, it's easy. Tyler Bass missed what should have been a chip shot last game, whether it was a blocked kick or whatever, who knows? Didn't look like it was blocked to me. Um, and then on the other side of the field, we got Justin Tucker, the best kicker of my lifetime. And so it's an easy one. Jordan Stout, Sam Martin, they cancel each other out because I don't know anything about either of them, really. Uh, special teams goes to the Ravens, and it's not close. Um, Justin Tucker missed an extra point last week, just so you know. He did. That's worse Doesn't than missing a field goal. But <laughs> Justin Tucker is great, and... I don't know if we ever count this with special teams, but Devin Duvernay ran back a kickoff for a touchdown in that Dolphins game. That's true. And the Bills haven't been able to do that yet, so maybe a little bit more explosiveness from that aspect of the game. Um, yeah, just the recent struggle that the Bills had in this game, missing a field goal. I guess I'll give it to the Ravens. Yeah. All right. Well, as you said, Justin Tucker also, he missed an extra point. That's true. Uh, but he's two for two on 50-yard field goals, so that's uh, not nothing. He's 100% on his field goal percentage. Yep, that's true. Okay. 
All right. He's only kicked three, but yeah, it's two from 50, fifty plus. Yeah, that ain't nothing. That's for sure. All right, now Graham, this is the real question because are you going to be able to put aside your love, your lust, even perhaps, for John Harbaugh and be able to say that Sean McDermott is the better man here? Listen, because that's there, really what we're talking about. We're, ta- are, we're not talking about coaching. We're talking about who's the better person. Oh, you want to get into better person? Well, I, you know, it's it's been documented how much admiration I have for John Harbaugh. <laughs> oh yeah, the man is fantastic, and again, I'll say, won a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. That's pretty stinking good. Since then, has been able to stay relevant and win divisional championships, get into the playoffs constantly with offenses that are extremely one-dimensional, a quarterback who a lot of people said should just be a running back. Um, he's very impressive. Also, yeah. okay. the Bills frustrated me last week. Thank you. Thank keep you it going. Everybody. Keep it going. Keep Thank it going. you, everybody. Uh, the Bills frustrated me last week with their decision-making and poor whether it was coaching or Josh's execution in critical moments last week, I don't know. Um, but the end of the half is brutal. The end of the game is brutal. And I do think that some of that sits on Ken Dorsey's shoulders. There's one play that I'm furious at Leslie Frazier for that I've discussed. And Sean McDermott loves burning timeouts, which puts you in a difficult position at the end of the game. All that goes against That's the Bills. However, I loved watching Ken Dorsey smash his tablet to bits. I love the emotion. <sighs> I love the raw fury that that man exhibited at the end of that game. And that is the type of thing that's going to propel this Bills team to not making those mistakes again. So uh, because of that insane <laughs> freak out, I'm going with the Bills here. I loved Ken Dorsey's energy there, breaking that tablet. That was pretty great. Dude, good on you for bringing that up because we talked about that before the pod, how we how much we both loved that. And somehow I totally forgot to mention that and the things that were positive from this past weekend. <laughs> that was um, one of the positive things was yeah. <laughs> Ken Dorsey smashing <laughs> his tablet to bits. Ken Dorsey uh, unveiling himself as the psychopath that Josh Allen had talked about in the offseason. Exactly, um, yeah. Th- there was even that dude, like, at the end of the whole sequence, did you see the hand come into the screen? To, to like, block the camera? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> A little too late there, bro. Um I loved it from Ken Dorsey. I like what Ken Dorsey has done this season so far. Greg Roman, though, people have complained about him. People have said that his offenses are one-dimensional and his offenses rely too heavily on the ground game, but he's finding a way this season to make Lamar Jackson extremely effective throwing the ball. He's got a lot of experience being a coordinator where Ken Dorsey does not. I think if we're going... offensive coordinator versus offensive coordinator. I have to give the Ravens the edge. Um, You hate Leslie Frazier right now. No, I don't. Well, he made one huge Uh, mistake that in conjunction with many other huge mistakes cost the bills the game. But for the most part, he did a really nice job against two of the fastest receivers in the league. So I don't hate him, but I do hold that play against him. And that's a mistake. I don't believe many defensive coordinators would have made. You know who definitely wouldn't make that mistake? 
Mike McDonald. No, he probably would. He's in his first season uh, as a defensive coordinator in the NFL after coming over from, oh yeah, Michigan, right? He was with the other Harbaugh, Harbaugh uh, at Michigan and John poached him from his brother's staff. And so far, so good, I guess, besides a total collapse against the, oh wait, no, there was that total collapse against the Dolphins. And then this past week, even though they made Mac Jones uh, or they forced Mac Jones into three turnovers, it looked like the Patriots were able to move the ball a little bit more than uh, I would have anticipated from a very bad-looking Patriots offense. So I'm going to give it to Leslie Frazier. So that leaves head coach. And I like McDermott more than I like Harbaugh. Yeah, you do. As a coach and as a man. Give it to the Bills. Sean McDermott is a great man. A great man. I love he having is. him at the helm. He's a role model for sure. Um, but it's all about winning at this point. you got to put together some wins. Bills have got to find a way to overcome the injury issues and put away this Ravens team that a lot of people are saying could be, you know, rising in the AFC, not just a playoff team, but a potential AFC championship team. So Bills got a big challenge ahead of them this week. They certainly do. And after a tough week, again, we just need to take a deep breath, deep breath, clear our heads, and, uh, you know, settle in on the task at hand that is taking care of these Baltimore Ravens. So, Graham, with that in mind, what is your score prediction? Oh, this is tough because a week out, we have no idea what the Bills team is going to look like injury-wise, but they only put <laughs> yeah. up 19 points. We're last shooting week, blind here. And that's not going to happen again. Like, there's no way that in normal weather, um, <clears throat> the Bills are going to only manage 19 points. So I'm going 28 for the Bills offense, and I'm going to say they hold the Ravens to 21. 28 21 Bills. Okay. Um, I'm going to say that the offense gets back on track. I do not have a whole lot of confidence in this Baltimore Ravens defense. Uh, we mentioned linebacker as an issue for them. I'm also going to say, I hope that they don't get a lot of pressure up front from their defensive line. And for that reason, I'm going to say that the bills win and score 31 points doing so. So I'm going to say 31-28 Bills. Oof, close one. Yeah. Tough game. Down to the wire. I know technically you've lost the survivor pool, but do we want to keep it going and make some more survivor picks? Go for it, dude. I'm out. Well, you're out, but keep going. I'm out. I don't know. Maybe by the end of the season, 18 weeks have gone by and we've got 16 strikes each or something. (laughs) Nope, nope. Last season, when you lost, you were out. When you lost, you were done. Did you keep and making I was riding picks? solo? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I kept going. All right. Well, I only have so one strike go, left, so it's uh, not looking too good. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, you can't I lose. Tell you what I'm going to do, just to make it really funny. I'm going to pick the Colts this week against the Titans <sighs> because they're at home and they just pulled off a huge win against the Chiefs. And if they earn me a win after sinking your survivor season, oh that's God. gonna be hilarious. So give me that the would, Colts. That would be that would be that would be it. That would be the last straw. That would be an end to our relationship. Go Colts. Any other news you think we should get to here <laughs> before we wrap this up? 
Nah, as always, you know, thanks to our listeners and uh, thanks, a special thanks to Trent Repass. I hope he didn't Putting take what I said place. about. I hope he didn't watch, take what I said about un- watch your undergrad computer science you talk majors. About computer science majors. There's a whole uh, well, section of our fan base. I do. I should, you know, McDaniel's made computer science majors. If there is any connection there, not saying that there is, but if there is, he certainly made them look good this weekend. I, I guess maybe I was complimenting Trent. We appreciate your loyal support. Thanks, buddy. Nice. Love watching you grovel and backpedal on the air. <laughs> it was hardly groveling. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Uh, it's a tough week. Move on, right? Move on. Go Bills. Go Bills. Beat the Dolphins. Your ass is grass, and I'm going to mow it. Did you say beat the Dolphins? Beat the Ravens. <laughs> I meant, I, I thought squish the fish, too, as I was saying that. Oh, <laughs> so maybe it came out. Go Bills. Go Bills. Beat the Ravens. Beat the Ravens.